0: Welcome back to the Process Podcast. I'm your host, Sienna Facciolo, and we have a really special episode for you, as usual. My guest this month is Jacqueline Sanchez. Hailed for her impeccable attention to finessing low end and her command of balancing live instruments, Grammy winning sound engineer Jacqueline Sanchez is bringing back analog into the mix. Known for her energetic and present demeanor, Jacqueline was coined Jackie Boom by legendary drummer Steve Jordan. The name Jackie Boom captures the essence of her ability to blend analog with a pop sound for a sonic experience that knocks like a hit record. And not just like a hit record, actual hit records. She has worked with music icons including Lauren Hill, Anderson Pack. Common, and Dee Dee Bridgewater, and her credits include a Grammy win for Album of the Year with John Baptiste, a Grammy nomination for her work with Her, and a Latin Grammy win with Cultura Profética. In addition to her work as one of the top sound engineers in the music industry, Jackie is an advocate for strengthening community and sharing her personal and professional experiences to help others. She has taught and spoken for organizations like the Woodshed Network, WhamCon, and Berkeley College of Music. Let's get into this juicy, wisdom-filled conversation right now. Here we go. I really see your work as like true art what you do. This mixing engineering is truly art and i think that's really important to talk about but i also want to get into behind the scenes of your art like how do you facilitate your craft getting out into the world and the first thing i'm really curious about is how does art feed you just in general
1: why are you doing this okay there's like two or three questions in that i feel um with the last question which is why am i doing this um It's so funny. This question is actually really relevant to some thoughts I had yesterday. Mm. Um, One, I mean, obviously, I love music, right? I've been a musician my whole life. Like, as a kid, did the whole putting shows on and, you know, making. But the funny thing is, is as a kid, I used to literally, like, I was always this, like, anal and in-depth in terms of, like, the holistic approach of everything. So, like, I literally would set up chairs. I would set up the mood i would make them fake tickets i'd make them buy my tickets i love this i would like give people jobs like i had my cousin that would be the lighting guy the other person that would take the tickets the other one that would be the announcer you oh know gosh. and i'd force my whole family to all like attend this show this big production in my living room um wh- where i had outfit changes and everything like i even had a selena costume i redid where my mom ma- you are my mom's leather jacket and Selena has this album cover where she's wearing, like, a leather jacket and this ruffly, like, shirt that, like, the sleeves are ruffly and the, the bust is ruffly. So I use the tissues to make ruffles. And, like, put it in my arms and my chest and, like, a red lip and the, my mom's leather jacket to, like, perform Selena songs for my family. Um, so, like, that's how much I've loved music since my whole childhood, right? Like, and then, you know, so that's the given. That's, like, the easy... Question and then fast forward to be choosing it as a profession, um, because I do see like I could could have done anything. Mm -hmm. I'm very grateful that like I really think I've. If I could have been a badass lawyer or doctor or, like I, I, because I was interested. I'm a fighter. I'm a I'm I'm into that shit or even a a production event person or a manager or all of these things. But at my core, I've always been a performer um but then I also didn't realize that I also was always an engineer because like I also would like be the one that would put, take my mom's radio apart and put it back together or whenever the adults had the parties and the radio couldn't wasn't working I would come downstairs to fix it while all the adults are drunk and drinking I'm there like fixing the radio and then going back upstairs <laughs> you know so yes that's like, amazing. And now as a in retrospect, I'm like wait that was engineering you know what I mean but I as a kid you don't think that's a job or that's a Even a thing. I didn't even know that was technically an engineering job. So, like, I guess that's that weird cliche thing of, like, it was always in me, maybe, you know? Um, So, I mean, music is something you fall in love with. And Mm -hmm. I guess, like, music... I'm thinking of this really corny song that someone wrote when I was in college. um, That University of Miami called Music Is My Boyfriend. Ooh. I resonate with what they're trying to say because it's true. Like, music is the one thing that has been a constant in my life and has never... Like, it's personal, you know what I mean? So that's why I do it, you know? Like, I'm definitely an altruistic person. It's like, we're healing the world. Yes! even though are (laughs) fucked up. Yeah, I I heard
0: that in an interview that you did, you said that one of the legacies that you want to leave behind is, like, this this healing power of music, and I thought that was really beautiful.
1: You know, I will admit, sometimes in more recent years... um, it's important as a professional to remember how it felt when you were younger. Cause the more, like uh, now I'm yes. like 10 years, professional engineering technically I've been loving music since as long as I was a kid. Um, but when you're professional, it's kind of like, it's like when I, 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 I'll use this example. I remember I took like a AP English class in high school and, and like, that's where they teach you how to analyze what you're reading. Whereas before I would just read, mm. right? And now when I read, like when, when I remember that class I was thinking, I was like, now I can't read without analyzing, yeah. you know? I think yeah. That's what being a professional musician is like too. It's like, shit, I can't listen to music without analyzing. Oh my you know? gosh,
0: that is such a problem. It's such, yeah. I'm like always working when I'm listening to, yeah yeah so
1: to so like turn it or even when i go to concerts and shows like i now realize like i i'll support my friends but like some of these bigger shows i'm like i'm not paying for that shit i unless i can go for free i'm not going <laughs> you know not for like my rockwood friends shows like those i go and try my best to Hell support yeah. yeah. but there's a couple there's a certain threshold where i'm like you make enough money i'm not giving you money <laughs> need you pay me to to help you you know um but then it's hard because I'm, sometimes when things go wrong or there's something I know I can help with, I'm like, I try my best to turn that, turn it off and just be there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, well, like, does it feed me? It's like, it's like, yes. But as a professional, sometimes it does deplete you. Um, so it's a dance, right? I mean, but then I also think that's probably why I don't like to listen to the things I work on. Like on my, on my leisure time. And it sucks when I work with someone that I used to love listening to mm-hmm. because once I work with them, I find that I go less and less to their music when I'm on my off time, you know, and then I go to art that I still work with because I don't know. It's just a thing that has happened. <laughs> it's not of a choice. PJ Morgan mm. was one. I was like a huge, huge. I mean, I'm not was. I am a huge. huge <laughs> right. Fan. Of course. Of course. Um, even her. Even Emily King. I So I never officially worked with Emily King, but, but the close proximity with Ben, uh, my mentor, uh, I find, like, I still can listen to her more frequently than anybody else, but there is some close, like, proximity, so that I listen to her less. So, like, PJ Morin, I mean, even Chris Dave's stuff. Like, it's just interesting how that happens. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, that is so interesting. How do you find that balance between... Do you find balance in like another way, like turning off the work brain and relaxing?
1: Yeah. I mean, I meditate, I do yoga, I go outside. I like to dance salsa and I, and, you ah. know, movement is a one for me. So like salsa is kind of like, I don't, I don't, I, I can work in that, in that genre. Um, I do occasionally, but not frequently enough. So like a lot of salsa music hasn't got fucked up for me. <laughs> um, you know, um Classics, you know, I definitely listen to a lot of classics for that. And, like, honestly, sometimes switching the brain to, like, a podcast Mm, straight up, you know, so that it's not music. Um, That's kind of the balance. And then I just, you know, it just, it takes more to... Get that fire going, how it used to when I was young, you know. Like now, I found myself at Blue Note, like watching some great show, and I remember, and I was with some college friends that we've known each other for ten plus years, and I remember looking, I was like, you remember when we used to take trips from Boston to here to go see someone at Blue Note, and how excited we were, and then I would look in the room and see all the young kids that are in town, like, and I was like, wow, I used to be excited. And now I'm like, oh, I'm just here. I'm going to see my friends. Like, yeah. let me get home to my dog. But, like, still enjoy the music, but it's that excitement. So I think another way I keep – I balance that is, like, I've learned the importance of, like, mentorship and, like, keeping younger people around you that are eager because Mm -hmm. I I forgot that energy, you know? You're like, wait a minute, I used to be that eager too.
0: (laughs) In an interview you did, you said that you – would give the advice of surrounding yourself with really good mentors, like to a young person. And it's interesting because now you're talking about the flip side, which is that if you're a mentor to a young person, you actually receive a lot of energy. I think that's really fascinating.
1: Well, yeah. And I think we underestimate how much having a mentee is actually crucial um, to your growth as well. I mean, one, if you teach something, you're only going to get better at it as well. So true. Right? Like Basic shit right, um, right and it's interesting now on the flip side of it because like now i reflect like when i started working with ben over 10 years ago or almost 10 years ago maybe it is 10 this year i don't know um it's interesting because now i'm low-key like wait i was very valuable as a mentee oh, like- yeah <laughs> But when you're in it, you're like, oh, no, like I'm disposable and I can't be all perfect. And you're nervous and you're excited and you're over doing too much all the time or, or not knowing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But then like as time progresses, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. There was some stuff that low because there's things I know now with my mentees where I'm like, I, I'm, I don't know how to do that. I'm Duffy, That's why I'm hiring you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, also have things to teach you that. Yes, like technical, but there's other shit. There's a lot of other shit you learn that's not just the technical yeah. when you're in that relationship. You know, and it's also accountability. It's also just, like, not being alone for 12 hours when you're working sometimes, you know? like Mm -hmm. Because sometimes mixing can be a really isolated thing. Yeah. So having a mentor that you can eat lunch with is, like, mentee, I mean, or vice versa. Like, now I look back with all the hours I spent with Ben. It's like, oh, now this makes sense. Yeah. Now that I'm, like, transitioning out of, like, obviously I'm not not assisting as much anymore.
0: Right, you're... You're a fucking senior engineer now. Do you have any routine that stays the same
1: or is it always changing? It's always changing. Um, this used to be like a really like weird thing, especially like when you go to therapy and then most therapists don't know what it's like to truly be a freelancer or a musician. That's so true. (laughs) I know like my therapist that I was with for like four years, um, When we first started working at working um i was in a really strict type of therapy because of uh like going into mental health you know i have a personality disorder um, borderline personality disorder and when i was finally getting dbt therapy in the beginning it's very strict like you go three times i was going three times a week so two personal sessions then group sessions and then you get coaching it's an intense thing in the beginning Um, And it's very strict in the beginning. And so imagine as a freelance engineer, where everything is last minute, everything is a priority, everything is like super important. And there was a balance where I had to like in the beginning, almost like learn to put boundaries with my job, because one, my mental health needed to get better, because it's going to affect my job if I don't. So finding that balance was really challenging, but then it was interesting as I would keep my commitment to therapy, there'd be times I'd be going to therapy on three hours of sleep or coming straight from the studio, especially mm. for 18 hour sessions, you know, or 18 hours a day. Yeah. And I remember going to therapy or like being 15 minutes late or, you know, all the little it, things, issues in my therapist being like, you guys are crazy. Like, and this is a. thing. You know, feel like Uh, I think all of you are crazy. (laughs) Oh no! What is wrong with this artist that is working till six, seven in the morning, or ten in the morning? Like, what do you mean you were waiting for your client to arrive until three in the morning, but you were waiting since eight? Like, like you know what I mean? So, like, I do get that. Mm -hmm. Like, our job and industry is kind, and creativity clinically can come across as insane. Um, and then over time we, we learned, right. You know what I mean? Like over time, yes. she's used to these things that, um, we be, and as I got better and like evolved, um, then I got to do virtual, which was convenient, more convenient. Like I could sneak off into the booth and do for- therapy there mm-hmm. instead of the three hours it used to take me to get there and come back. You know what I mean? Um, yep. over time I only would do it once a week and it was easier to keep that commitment mm-hmm. than the three times. Right. Yeah. Oh. Well, let back to routine because this is part of the routine is that therapy also helped me learn about being flexible because I used to get a lot of anxiety of like trying to like, especially when I'm working on my mental health of like, how do I make sure I'm getting sleep and this and that and yoga and all the things that are going to help me be good. And it's like mm-hmm. in a perfect world, I need four hours in the morning to do everything, whether it's like to meditate, right. yoga, to eat well, to shower, to practice to do the things that may bring me joy and then go to work it's hard but then it's like or if you're on tour how do you maintain that so what i learned is to, yeah. to build my routine right like i know these are the things i like to do in the morning like i my mornings are sacred for me like i like to ease out of bed i make my my warm tea i shower i do my yoga i practice bass or an instrument um, I journal, maybe I call a family member. So like in a perfect world, mm-hmm. I get like a good four to five, six hours to myself first. Um, and then yeah. start working. So I normally like to start working like three, 4 PM when I'm working on my own accord or mixing from home. Um, mm-hmm. but then when there's sessions or I'm on tour that shifts, right? So I learned instead of like all or nothing, it's like, well, then let me do a quick two minute flow. Like, let me just do the sun salutation or whatever, you know what I mean? Or stretch or let me just 10-minute yes. workout video. Uh, maybe I practice only five minutes of bass. I just play one song in the morning. Like even if I get three minutes of exercise and four mi- five minutes of bass playing, you know, obviously the showering, food stuff, like I need to do that a little faster. That takes me 20 minutes. Like uh, condensing it, right? So on the days that I yeah. it, I still get the routine going. Like it's just the act, the muscle memory of doing it. Um, And I found that that was so much easier, a a better approach as a creative because every day is different. And that's low key. What I do love about my job is that
0: I'm Mm. not stuck
1: on this monotonous nine to five. And even though I could benefit from this consistency, how do I bring consistency in an inconsistent career and path and life choice? You know, well, thank you finding like these methods and then also thank you to myself for like being like yeah i don't have to fucking be perfect and always do the same thing like that's unrealistic (laughs) how did you
0: move away from that perfection that forceful perfection i like mindset that is really hard
1: okay well when you have a personality disorder that could possibly fuck everything up um, mm. You learn very quickly that you can't be perfect, so you have like, to. No, you I have was to very you good go. at masking and very good. Clearly, I got really far, you know. And in able of terms, uh, you know, I was diagnosed as a very high functioning person with borderline personality disorder. But the way I got over, well, I gotta thank my thing. I actually need to thank my disorder for learning unlearning perfectionism because, hmm. because. When I first got diagnosed, yeah, we're gonna dive in there. It was it was in two thousand fifteen, so I was still really early in my career. Um, in New York, I moved into New York two thousand thirteen, and I got diagnosed formally in two thousand fifteen, and the shit was affecting my job. Like I would get stuck outside for forty five minutes dealing with an episode, um, and my boss was being really patient. Um, I didn't get fired. His name was Jerry Barnes. He was amazing. But he was also kind of like a family figure and like looked out for me. And I remember when I did get um, when I was hospitalized, like I checked myself in. I tried to play it off. This is perfectionism, trying to hide what's happening. And I was like, "Oh, I'm sick, like physically sick." I was trying to because people, I I found that you know people will always excuse physical illness but not mental, like because mental you don't see it sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I was like, "Oh no, I'm sick. I had to go to the hospital." Like. Mind you, I can't even like release myself until they tell me I can, right? So, but Jerry is an older generate like he ain't he wasn't dumb, and Jerry was just right. he really looked out, like was concerned, you know, and like was really on, like mm. he was involved, you know, and and he cared. And I remember when I did come when I finally got out and 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 figured was getting all this new information about myself. You know, Jerry, one of the first conversations that I'm forever grateful that was a game changer for me was he 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 you know, I was young in my career. So my insecurities were high and he was like, Jackie, you're very talented. Your career's not going anywhere. Um, hmm. And he goes, but we need you to be OK in order for you to be here, you know, and I was awesome. like, oh, shit, like you need to take. <laughs> so I was, it was like he, he gave me like that reassurance of like, you know, and I also it was finally at the point where I no longer could contain things so compartmentalized and it was like you couldn't mask yeah yeah, if you don't address this then you are not going to have a career you know what I mean um Mm -hmm. and so that was the beginning like I had started my therapy journey in college um but it was different I think getting the diagnosis was the first step to like understanding holistically what's happening um and so fast forward like that was the first moment of me learning the importance of being transparent and honest the people you work with, because I'll, if I wasn't honest, if Jerry didn't know what was going on, I would come across as flaky, unreliable, irresponsible. You know what I'm saying? When he's seen, I do. When he's seen t- for the year that I worked with him already, that's almost two years I worked with him, really, because I met 2013, 14, 15. So he already had two years of me, right. like very high functioning, very not, you know, whatever, and. So he knew me already, right? So he knew that it's out of character for me to have been struggling the way I was struggling. And because I was open about my journey with him, kind of forced to be open, technically. Right. Um, it was gave him more ability to give me empathy and compassion. You know, we did have a serious hmm. talk, like, hey, can you really do this album that we were about to do, which was the Joda Quest album, you know? And I had enough momentum to be like, yes, I can. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And it works. Jerry has a similar lifestyle of like, he doesn't start working until three or four in the afternoon, you know? So I, my mornings at that time, or I would cut, you know, that's how, so this routine kind of got instilled at that time. Um, Mm. Fast forward to today where, um, you know, so my mental, so I'm thanking my mental illness for teaching me that I can't be perfect because clearly no one can. And also, I thank my disorder because it also forced me to be vulnerable. And that actually brought me so much more protection in my career. Because then fast forward with Ben, who's Mm. also very aware of my mental illness and some of my traumas and triggers and how that affected my career sometimes. Um, Because I've met people that were willing to be flexible with me, right? So like, we would have talks of like, okay, if you're having an episode, you need to let me know it's an episode versus me just being late. Because then he can set me up for success you know what i mean like the systems were built this even happened at lincoln center where i had like a panic attack and i had to and i kind of disappeared for like an hour and i could have lied and been like oh came up with some bullshit and they would have known it was bullshit and i probably would have gotten fired versus being honest of like Mm. Sorry, I'm having these issues or whatever. And instead they were able to send me home and I kept my job. You know what I mean? Wow. And yeah, I think that I do. society, especially with mental illness, especially as women, um, they make us feel like we're like, you got to hustle. You got to be on top. Like, you know, it's such a the rat race. And I'm just so grateful that I am. I'm not in a rat race. Like everything. Like, I knew Jerry was my job when I saw the posting. I, I, I knew I as like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's my job. You know, as hmm. soon as I worked with Ben, I was like, I know this is going to be it. You know what I mean? It didn't, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, so I never felt like I was in competition. Um, and I always felt like everything that needed to come to me did come to me. And so, and I did work, I mean, mind you, you got to put in the work, right? Like my work, Of course, there, yes. my, my dedication is there, but my humanity, I think is also what kept, got me the work as well, mm. you know?
0: Yes, I do. I'm, I'm like really astounded by the amount of trust that has to be there for you to be that vulnerable with your, with the people that you work with.
1: How did I build that trust? I'm not saying be this, like, like be open, but I'm also, my advice is also like learn. It's like, this is also, I learn it in life, not just business, but Mm -hmm. like, you got to also know, like only people that are worthy should, should be trusted with this, that kind of stuff. Right. And not only do they not only you trusting them with your your vulnerabilities, your whoever you're working with, but also you um, they're trusting you, too. Right. And, you know, think about it. I was I worked with Jerry for two years before those episodes got to the point where it affected my work severely. Right. Right. And so he already got to know me. He already got to see my my you know what I mean? Like it's like dating. Right. Like you don't right you don't put everything on the table in the first date like that's kind of one that's not cool like not cool because it could be dumping it could be not safe it could be you know like you got to take your time and like similarly like ben as well like i wasn't telling ben these things the first two gig i ever did with him but also get, get uh ben recognized that like I like I didn't get the job with Ben originally because I wasn't available the full amount of time. You know what I mean? I, I was mm. him and I was it was a time when I still needed to teach. I was teaching music and I sat at a summer camp. And so I was like, I can come, but I can't come until four p m because I'm teaching at eight to three. And so at first he said, Yeah, no I'd rather have someone that can be here from the beginning, which is like one p m on. And so I was like, okay, Ah. he didn't get the gig. But whoever he had hired originally kind of kept leaving early, kind of wasn't that good. So then he texted me like, hey, are you still interested? I'm like, sure. So my first two weeks was the Chris Dave album, and I was literally working from 8 a.m. to 3, (sighs) then going to Ben's and staying up till like 4 in the morning, sometimes nodding off to assist him for two weeks straight. Like I was literally asking friends if I could crash in Brooklyn so I didn't have to go back to Harlem because I had... Oh, my gosh. Four hours of sleep, where I had to go to work. Um, wow. And ben was like, for example, that's an example of Ben being human and being like, "Damn, this girl's dope," and it's okay if she's nods to sleep at three or four in the morning because I know she's been working since eight. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. Yep. Compared to this other person who was fully available but wasn't as dedicated, mm. right? So that trust yes. built, so that by the time it got to the point where I'm working with him more often, so that's one thing I love about being a freelancer with mental illness is that. I don't have mm-hmm. to disclose as much if because freelance is so one-off, so I can always turn things mm-hmm. out. I'm in control of my schedule. But when I, I find that when I work more consistently with someone, there's more room for you to see some of the times when I, my mental illness does affect my daily life, right? Um, so the more I worked with Ben, the more eventually, especially when we built a studio where I'm there almost every single day, that's really when I needed to tell Ben, okay, Ben, this is what's going on because... I was starting to look flaky because now Ben is seeing me more consistently versus the, yes, you know, and Ben hires me only for two weeks. I'm on time. I'm on it, whatever. But when Ben, right, right. Months, maybe some of my punctuality habits are going to show up. Some of my things are going to show up, you know? Yes. He just is very empathetic and very aware of an aware person. So, Um, the empathy was there he's also a feminist you know so like some of my yeah triggers were sexual assault related and and so his you know not a lot of men in our industry would have the empathy and understanding that he would you know what I mean but I feel very fortunate that most of the men in my in my career have people that are very empathetic and compassionate and are actually feminist um because even Jerry, like, the the songs we were writing on, some of the artists we were working on, like, Abuse and Molestation came up. And, you know, as an engineer, that was the first time where I'm in a session trying to work, and then this is the topic of the song. And as someone that has been through that, what do you think is going to happen in that session? I'm going to bust out crying. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like, yeah. Being able, like, that's where we have to remember, like, music is really sensitive. And I think... I'm grateful that I've worked with professionals and high level professionals that understand that music is part of life and, and it is healing power because mm. there are people that run their sessions not like that, you feel me? Like a lot of yeah. like, people that are like the camps and the numbers and the platinum, I'm double R like diamonds. And you know, I, I mean, I've done sessions yeah. that where I see the songwriters, like what BPM is that song and how many Spotify plays and number. And I was just like, oh. yeah. I was like, I've been really lucky that I work professionally and, most of the motherfuckers don't talk like this.
0: <laughs> you know when they Yeah, do that, that's incredible.
1: So I'm really grateful, blessed. Um, so yes, it was super well received, but I also think it's your energy. like Jerry told me this once, because I love Jerry. Jerry's wow, that <laughs> gift that keeps giving. Um I remember having this conversation, like hearing all these scary stories of like fucked up sessions with engineers, and then me being like, Wow, like I've never experienced that. And Jerry's like, yeah, well, it's your own, it's your energy too. It's like what you're attracting. I to. was just going to say yeah. that. That's what, I, yes. I was
0: like, it's not just them. It's also you, what you're bringing and what you're attracting presenting. And, people
1: I attract into my yeah. life. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the way you're asking and the way you're communicating. Yeah, for sure. That's, and to learn oh, that's I so cool. I think with
1: Ben, it was more in dynamic because it wasn't just mental illness, right? Like I also became a partner in a sense. Like I was helping him right. the studio. I helped him build the studio. I helped him raise. You helped him build, just building. for
0: people who don't know, you helped him build electric garden in Brooklyn, which yeah. you're still working with. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So electric garden, yeah. But I'm talking about from phase one, like all fun. Yeah, we were working for years before Like, like electric garden was like, Hey, I want to build a studio. I hope you want to be a part of it. And like normally you're like, yeah, okay. It never happened. <laughs> and then one day like, hey, I signed the lease and also CC Wine in wow. session. Can you be here in, my, in New York? Like, are you available this week? And I was in Miami dealing with mental illness and I wasn't sure if I was going to stay in Florida or go back to New York. But I took that call as a sign and take my ass back to New York and like wow. I had to stay in a part like I, st- I, I couch couch surfed is the term. Like I stayed with what, yeah. for a month, another friend for a month and then finally found like a sublet for a while. Um, and then help build electric garden and stuff. and but so the conversations with Ben was it was a lot of growing pains because I was his assistant primarily, right? My experience when we first started building a studio was still very assistant, energy and level. Um, and then mm-hmm. as it evolved, it's like I was growing as well. and and my role mm-hmm. was, be- was I was wearing a lot of hats. <laughs> so, um, so some of the conversations were not just mental illness. Sometimes it was the growing pains of running a studio. and you know, how to navigate those things and client hiring. And, and it was a lot. It was, it's been a lot. <laughs>
0: yeah. Woo. Yeah, for sure.
1: So like, I, I have like, I feel, I always forget when people come to electric garden, they're always like, wow. And a part of me's like, whatever. Cause, cause I helped. <laughs> well, I helped, literally was painting the fucking paint that takes two DB down uh, that you don't know about. That's behind all the walls. Like we literally. Wait, what? Paint a, a that's a thing because apparently it's two D of something. I forget the technical thing or like all the little, Wow things. like, you know what I mean? Like I know yeah what went into this.
0: There's no mystery here. This is like a real thing that you built. Versus, yeah.
1: Like, other people walk in and they're like, wow. And I'm like, wait, and uh-huh. then I have to be like, you know what? This is fucking awesome and amazing. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Like I need to like not rain on people's parade because I'm like, oh, I can build this. <laughs> you know, like no. <laughs> can I? I don't yes. Know. But.
0: Okay, this really, this is bringing me to a thing that I've seen just kind of a theme throughout your work and your... <coughs> Excuse me. Um, what do I want to say? Your work and your community building and your um, public speaking and all these things is this power from within, like inner power that doesn't come from other people. It comes from you. And you wrote, Undoubtedly, the once timid and reserved Jacqueline Sanchez has now unapologetically unlocked no. her woman's worth
1: So, you know, this is one of the moments where I, um, I you know, with the cold Grammy situation, I was like, well, I guess I should hire someone to help me with my bio. He's a Dominican um, writer based in, he's based in Miami now. Um, We met while I was in Miami, and I hired him to write my bio because I was like, I need a good bio. I'm a Grammy nominated, blah, 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 blah. And I was trying to get my website up really quickly. So like, like while I'm at the Grammys, like there's something, you know, cause at that time my social media <laughs> was a shit show and still is kind of, um, cause I still t- get to, I, I just, you know, I, I'm figuring it out. Cause you know, I'm trying to be tactful and like mm-hmm. make it only business. And I'm like, no, nah, this shit, there's way more right. important shit to do. Right. Right. Say, I think.
0: OK, I want to I just want to stop for a second, just the whole Grammy situation, just to like <laughs> quickly explain what she's talking about there. Um, in 2022, she was the engineer on John Baptiste. We are album of the year and it won a Grammy for album of the year. So just OK, continue. Just wanted to.
1: I was nominated and with her nominated and with her. You're right. Is... Sorry about that. Yes. Nominated with a her album. Um, And totally unexpected with what I was going through um so point so going to that quote of a woman's worth it's actually it it really does define this era of my life because and my career because when I think of, like me as a kid and what alicia keys meant for me it's pretty wild because like i never forget the feeling i felt when yeah. i first saw fallen like the video like you know and the braids and like so she gave that unapologetic, powerful woman and a woman that was doing something that you didn't see a lot of women doing, which yeah. would be a fucking musician. Actually playing musician, an instrument.
0: You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, as back and that back to that eagerness, when you're a fan, like, and I don't even do this. I'm not a fan fan anymore. Like I'm a fan. But when you were a kid as a fan, you'd look up their Yeah. Everything about them. Right. Like, you know, they, you know, their <laughs> sign, you know, everything. It made an impact on me, right? Like I feel like it foreshadowed so much, and I love how life does that. I'm a, I'm, I'm really into that shit. You know, I'm a Pisces. I'm into, I'm, I'm really, I'm. I think of like how I've met Common and and got to work on one of his albums and like what his song uh, I used to love her mm. did change my life as a kid with hip hop, you know. And like now they're in my life. Like what? Like I got to work with Baha like an underground rapper that I thought I was so cool That's so in middle cool. school. Like, like to see my <laughs> middle school Jackie, like literally now has credits with the people that I like was obsessed with in middle school. That made me the radical that I am. Like, listening to Bahamadia, Alicia Keys, Dead Prez, most uh, Black Star with most mm. F and Taleb Kwali Common, uh, Erica, yes. Erica Badu, like, like it's foreshadowed so much. Like Chris Dave was in Erica's band. Like, you know. I've assisted Ben when he like makes something for the for for Questlove, like the Roots, like so come on, cool. like it's wild Fuji like the sim, like the the full circles are, are crazy. So for my right, so shout out to Carlos who kind of well as we had an interview before he wrote the bio, like tied this whole beautiful like Aww. Alicia Keys tribute, basically. So you, I guess thank you. Yeah, women's empowerment.
0: What does it feel like in your body to have that empowerment? Like, how has that grown in you and evolved?
1: (sighs) This is a complicated question, actually. Um, How has that empowerment Mm. grown in me? So pre-2021... It was great. Like it felt great. Like I was in my bag. I was really consistent at the studio pre twenty twenty, really too. Pre twenty twenty, it was like the first year that I was finally like I moved into my own apartment by myself in New York, which is like an accomplishment for sure. That um, is, I, I could, you know what I mean. And then like just seeing that, but I really still saw like I'm gonna be at Electric Garden technically long term. Like this is it. Then twenty twenty happens and. I started having to mix from home more often. Mm. Just like one, I was really strict about protocols and shit. Like though, some sessions did still happen. I was like, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm not going. Like fuck that. Like I really. That was a moment where I was like, yeah, fuck this music shit. Of like, mm. no matter what. Like I was like, that first three months, I was not leaving my fucking house. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like, No. Um. Whereas some people were more flexible. And now, you know, would I do things differently? I don't know. But at the time we didn't know enough for me personally to feel safe. So that was an interesting shift of like empowerment of like knowing what my boundaries actually were. Right. Whereas in the past I didn't have good boundaries in music or in my career or in my empowerment. I got I would overgive and overdo and cross my own boundaries to get ahead in my career. When I say cross my boundary, I'm all talking about like with time, with my well-being, with my safety, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so then fast forward to 2021, I lose my mom. Mm. And when you lose a parent, um, your shit, like the shit that you thought matters doesn't fucking matter. Mm. Um, and so, and then winning the Grammy, the year that she passed, for the year that she passed, it's like, it was a slap in the face almost from the universe. Mm. Like, I, I, there's a blessing, right? You could always see it from different sides. But initially, I was fucking angry. Mm. You know, I was like, I didn't even notice that I got nominated. Ben texted me like, by the way, you're nominated on the two album of the years. Wow. And I was like, I was in a Trader Joe's parking lot. And I just was crying mm. and angry. I was so fucking angry. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, the year you fucking died, this is when this is going to happen. And after all the years of, like, my mom being like, maybe you need to find a new career sometimes oh, when it was hard. Yeah. Or- or when like she would see all the sacrifice I was putting in and not going home sometimes, not going to see my family, and me joking, always making the joke. Don't worry, mom. When we when I get when I finally get a Grammy, I'm gonna you know you know I'm taking you to the Grammys. Oh, you know. Yeah. So for this to happen. Yeah. From like projects I didn't even expect to be nominated with, so it was very unexpected. I was really angry, and so in terms of empowerment, like fast forward now we're in 2022, 2023, and it's like, okay, now I'm not minimizing. I'm less angry. I'm seeing the blessing in it. Like, mm-hmm. the Grammy got delivered on my mom's birthday. Like, the oh, statue. Oh, really? I was, I was not having a good grief moment. And then, like, my dad had to come from Orlando to, like, come support me and tell me how in the morning the FedEx guy was walking to the house in Miami because I had it shipped where I was staying at the time because that's where I'm from. And it was the fucking Grammy on the on literally the morning of her birthday oh, on June 24th. Oh, my gosh. Like to me, that was her sign of being like, "Bitch, it's time for yeah, you to get back it to Yeah, that must have been or... a sign from her like, for I sure. I, 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 I know. I mean, grief is never ending, but it was that moment where it was like, "I now it's time for you to get back." Mm. So, so like, it's been a slow process to get back to this space. But again, going back to what Jerry said, my career wasn't gonna go anywhere, even though I took a year to do basically nothing i maybe did a couple tours here and there but i was i needed to deal with the the sudden loss of my mom it wasn't covid it was very unexpected and plus the 2020 shit like it was a lot on my system on my body on my capacity you know ben knows grief mm. and so ben was one of the first people as well like hello he's known me for so long he was of course a support mm. and gave me the best advice about grief where he was like Soon as she died and he, and we talked and he was like, just a heads up. Like this never goes away. And I was like, Oh, I like, you know, like thank you for that because that's the most practical thing you could say than a lot of other shit I was hearing. It's
0: not like you're going to get through it. It's like, you are
1: going to learn. (laughs) You learn to live with it. And so, so empowerment. So my empowerment now has really shifted and the woman's worth is definitely like a good way to put it because I just don't give a fuck anymore. You know what I mean? like like I used to give way more fucks and worried (laughs) way more and was very concerned. Like, oh no, I have to be careful. And now I'm like, nah, fuck that. Like who was meant to work? Like that's been solidified. Like who Mm. wants to work with me? going to work with me? And they're going to work with me because they know what I offer. And that's a new thing for me because I was very insecure and very... Afraid, <laughs> like, I always questioned why I was in the room sometimes, you know? Mm,
0: yeah. And now well, I, I don't
1: yeah. question it anymore.
0: I really appreciate you being honest about that because often we hear, like, the success story of, like, the empowerment has happened and I no longer give any fucks, but we don't hear about the part before that where that wasn't the case.
1: Suffering gives you insight and it gives you, it's a strength. Um, vulnerability is a strength um you also realize like i'm not playing the same game you feel me like i just refuse and i've been able to live that way so yeah. i'm grateful i'm very grateful
0: yeah that's that's incredible thank you so much for sharing that
1: yeah. um yeah.
0: i'm just taking it in and then figuring out yeah. where to go I, know,
1: I mean it's like that was the most honest way to answer that question Oh, you know what? And also, I'm also trying to keep up with my mom's badassness. Like, <laughs> yes, when she, when she passed, you know, I didn't understand what my mom built. You know what I mean? Like, my mom was a single mother. Uh, she lost her mother at eight. Like, put me through college. My mom was just the badass, right? Yeah. And I think when she died... I had I'm her only daughter. I had a lot of responsibilities fall on me that I wasn't expecting, and it was just it gave me this aha moment of like, you know what? It's time for me to level up because I'm low key trying to compete with what my mom built, like, mm. like kind of being like, if she did this with this with nothing, and had did all this shit for me that put me here in the position I'm in, then I have no excuse. Like in terms <laughs> of, because I used to be like, yeah, I felt like the business. I don't care about this and i don't uh-huh. care about the money and like i don't need that much and now i'm like nah fuck that i want to get there i'm gonna play ball you know like i don't want to play the game i'm gonna play the game on my terms yeah. but i'm ready to play ball you yeah. know what i'm saying i'm also trying empowerment is also seeing my mom like death also gave me a such a fresh perspective on my like, open one it gave me so much more compassion for my mom understanding you know because and and so then there's a little bit of that fire underneath me. It's like, okay, either I can suffer forever and be like, nothing fucking matters because there's a moment in grief where you're like, none of this shit fucking matters. Mm-hmm. Literally none of it. You know what I mean? Like what matters is your fucking time with the people you love. Mm. That is what fucking matters. And then in the same breath, I see the importance of legacy and I see the importance of building something that can be passed down something that is not just passed down maybe for your own kin but also passed down for generations and to help uplift people and, and remind people of these things and I realized that's what my mom was doing in her own way in her life you know and yeah. I saw that with her with her funeral so I, I kudos to her with my empowerment too it's just more of like shit my mom did raise this badass like fuck okay oh, yes so.
0: <laughs> that's uh that's so great that's so, so cool. I mean, it it's, like, really hard that you had to go through this grief to, like, uncover that, but it is really cool that you're that you're finding that in the grief or, like, under the grief.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. So you've worked with a shit ton of, like, really big names, and you've also worked with a lot of grassroots people, and one of the, it seems like one of the most important projects that you've worked on is the Resistance Arrival Chorus, which... For people, for anybody who doesn't know, it's a collective of 60 women and non-binary singers. Um, and tell me about how it was working with them and what that meant to you.
1: So um, initially I was kind of resistant, ironically, <laughs> in the name. Um, because, you know, I remember Ginny, who Ginny Suss, she's the one that runs the choir, like kind of runs the choir as well with her team at, um... And Ginny Kane knows Ben. Ben Ben Kane from Electric Garden. Just in case people don't know him, Ben Kane's a great engineer, producer as well. But Ben and Ginny known each other, so Ginny I guess came to the studio to like see where she was trying to plan this album, and I was like busy doing admin at like at the table, like kind of ignoring the meeting because I'm not. Ben didn't tell me, hey, we should, were having a meeting, like yeah. So I'm just like. I don't, I, got, I don't got time for this. Like, whatever, Ben, you're doing your thing. I'm doing what I need to do for the studio. Uh-huh. And then I think Ben was trying to get me to, like, talk to Ginny. And a part of me was annoyed because Ben didn't tell me what it was. So I was just like, hi, okay, nice to meet you. And then when she left, Ben, I think, was disappointed that I didn't do my warm uh-huh. thing. Uh-huh. Um, and, ben, and Ben was like, yeah, they, it's all-women this, and they want all-women all engineers. And I just remember being like, ugh, the all-women <laughs> <laughs> like i was so kind of annoyed actually because sometimes it's very gimmicky sometimes yeah. i and just like a part of me was like oh i was cringing right mm. so I'm like, one i'm i'm good duh, of course i'm gonna engineer it and one of our sisters is a woman and we were we brought in um gloria kaba and so you know I just prepare for the gig, the job. Like, I'm not expecting much, except I'm going to probably just be the recording engineer and hand off files, and it'll be great. Mm-hmm. You know, it was four, like, it was about 40 women per session. And it was a big session, because we had the four, the choir with the live band at the same time. Oh, wow. We it was six days wow. um, recording. And, you know, Tiffany Goucher was producing it, was one of the executive producers for it. Um, but K- Tiffany is more of a, like making beats producer, right? Like they make the beats and the product pre-production and all that stuff. Whereas Ginny had the vision of it's a band, it's a live band. Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting collaborating because then I saw that I had to really step up my chops as a co-producer on the project because no one's really made an, no one in the room has made an album with live instruments. basically. Uh... No Full band, live instruments type So of thing, you were, right? like,
0: that person. You were the point person for that, almost. Yeah,
1: like, I had to really... Like, that's an example as an engineer where you have to learn to read the room and navigate things and do what's best for the project and the flow of the session. You know what I'm saying? So, like, a lot... There are times where, as an engineer, I am following the producer's instructions. I am just a hired gun. You know what I mean? And then there's real times where I have to, like, suggest and encourage better choices here and there or or not even better choices just here are the choices and then the producer be like yeah you do you decide and I'm like okay (laughs) like then that means I'm also gonna be making more important decisions Mm -hmm. um and then that evolved into a lot of time together of like the production the nitty-gritty of of everything so I became very very involved in the project um by default, and i and uh, not knowing. and and it was actually one of the most powerful experiences I went through. So my resistance was unnecessary because it was an extremely powerful room of women and non-binary people and musicians and quite qui- and like professionals. Um, I mean, I'll never forget when Valerie June came in the room and the power, when Diva Mahal came in the room and like, the songs we made like treya song and like mm. also just like the feminine energy and the and the you know it was just different it was just really really powerful and magical and um and important it was really important mm. um the amount of space that could be held and yeah it was it was it was a lot of uh, pressure too like a little scary of like you know part of me was like a part of me is like, I wish it was doing better. And then the other, yesterday I was looking at the plays and I was like, damn, like hundreds of thousands of plays. I'm like, okay, this is cool. Like, yeah. It, it's doing what it needs to do, even though it maybe didn't get recognized the way that I think it should have.
0: Mm, by like the academy or the, the, just in general. I don't know what the world is. Yeah, just in general.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Going off of that, um, it seems like representation has been really important to you over the years. And it's something that you like intentionally are putting into the world now absolutely very vocally i was just wondering if you could say a little bit about that why is that important i know it's obvious to you but i want everyone to know why it's important
1: (laughs) i mean um the blunt answer is because we live in a fucked up racist society
0: Yes.
1: sexist. that's the short answer, right? Like America is racist and sexist, which means every single aspect of our lives has been tainted by that. Whether it is our jobs, whether it is our mental illness, whether it is our food, whether like like I feel like every time like now whenever I see like the question is like, why do you see race in everything? And it's like because it is in everything. It's and in if you don't, everything. Smile, it's it's like your own choice to not see it because of your mm-hmm. privileges, right? Like, So that's the short answer. Um, a great answer. I, the other importance is like I grew up with an immigrant mom who's brown and came into a country, immigrated here from Ecuador at the age of 10 after losing her mom at 8, didn't speak English. There were not the ESOL programs that we have now for immigrant students and children. America was very fucking racist. I mean, we're still racist, but imagine how it was in the... Ni- she came uh, migrated, I think she said, 1968, 57, oh, wow. yeah. So 1968 into New Patterson, New Jersey, you know? So, like, and then moved to Florida as an 18, 19-year-old young girl and is, like, you know, works for AT&T and has her... At, like, as much as she grew up in this country, my mother always had an accent she would be like i don't have an accent like and i'm like girl you have an accent like <laughs> I it because people would always give her like applications in spanish and then my mom with a heavy accent would be like i don't speak spanish oh my and, gosh I, I just, she would fuck with people even though it was clearly like girl you we know you speak spanish <laughs> but it was like her approval point of like yes, don't yes. assume because i'm an immigrant or i look yeah. the way i look you know, I always saw my mom dealing with like people like always assuming she couldn't afford something at a store. My mom being mm-hmm. like, no, and, like and talking to the manager and fighting and you know what I mean? Or my mom advocating for for like like a lot of cute racist Cubans at her job that would mistreat some of her co-workers that were black women. And my mom would always stand up for them mm-hmm. and shit like that. So like I grew up with that example always. And, you know, some of the most impactful years of my life was black women, like my first Two teachers that in my four modal years, Miss Gage and Miss Miss um, Sanders from kindergarten to third grade was like, like they I used to like sit on their lap type of shit. I mean Aww. nowadays you get in trouble, but like that comfort and that trust, you know? Yeah. Um, the woman that would help my mom, my my best friend Sasha and her mom, they were tr- they're tr- Trinidadian. Like that's who I stayed with every day after school. My best friend's Jamaican since first grade, and her mom is the one that first told my mom, you know, your daughter can sing, right? When Aww. I was like. Cause she would hear me and Brittany singing. And, and so why is it important is because of that. Cause yeah. I grew up around strong black women and around a strong and in brown indigenous rooted woman who did not, well, that's a whole other conversation because my family doesn't identify as indigenous, but like I have great grandmother that speak, speak Quechua.
0: Oh wow.
1: Um, Interesting. You know, so that's a whole other, whole other thing. Yeah. Another, yep. another podcast. Yep. but. Yep point is is like that's why it's so important and then me being the disruptor in my family and the first person to really like cosh it out and bring some healing and awareness it's like well that's gonna have that's gonna not of course it's gonna happen in my job in my career especially in what for what we do mm-hmm. you know most of what we work on is black music so yeah. like what do we talk? like what do you mean like well, that's why right. <laughs> you know what That's music but it shouldn't be a question why why are the engineers white why are all the engineers white men why why are they like what you know what i mean and then also like one of my biggest mentors like uh prince charles and he would talk about a lot of this stuff as well of how like sometimes you know like the things he went through and and um it's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic. So that um, short answer, racism and sexism, and I mean, duh, mm-hmm. and homophobia, all of that stuff. But then the long answer is like, obviously my upbringing and my, my, um, community, my community and my, and my, what is it? I'm in deep connection mm. with various people in the diasporas.
0: Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you for Since articulating. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really appreciate you articulating that. And, I'm yeah. I like, yes to everything you just said. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So we're going to close. I am bummed we have to stop because I have like fucking like literally look at my, like I have so many questions and notes (laughs) just to close. I have a student right now. I teach piano and voice and I have a student who really wants to go to Berkeley and she might want to do, um you know audio engineering and she's been asking me all these questions and so for her and also for anybody else that's listening who might have a student or who is a young person themselves what resources would you recommend for young especially female and non-binary people who are looking to maybe get into this field
1: resources i mean obviously sound girls women's audio mission um, the woodshed network um what's another one women in vinyl another thing is uh resources i don't i, I know you say you don't want to give advice but no you can do whatever you want <laughs> advice, the advice that i give as a resource is like if you're afraid to ask for something you need to ask it because these men are asking no matter what you know what i mean so like please yes. ask like, a quick oh see quick example is i worked for ben for From 2014 till about. And then I'll say I worked for almost two years, maybe a year. I can't remember the time exactly, but I waited a very long time. I'm talking about possibly years before Ben was the one that said, Hey, by the way, if you want to use the studio for practice time, you can. But because of like, I come from an immigrant family where we don't ask, we don't want to take advantage, we don't want to ask for too much right and so mm-hmm. like with Jerry it was like kind of implied and he he, he kind of told me from jump like hey you can work on stuff here before you, you get in so I already had that permission right um so yeah. with Jerry I would the studio before he'd get in and like be there but then with Ben because it was a lot more analog gear I was really afraid um so when he finally offered it was like he suggested it to me mm-hmm. and then I I would fast forward to like and I also had another roommate he interned and like I remember like just the way they carried themselves, interned for a month and then asked for studio time. And I remember being like, yeah. oh, how <laughs> dare you? Like, how dare you only intern for a month and ask for free studio time? I waited years Right. Oh my out. gosh. And then I had to check myself and be like, wait a minute. I'm the problem. I'm the one that's the Because You're look right. at the... I guess what, ben didn't feel like he took advantage. Ben was like, sure.
0: Yeah.
1: Go ahead. You know what I'm saying? That's so and fascinating. And I was like, I'm th- I was the one not asking. Mm-hmm. And so now I try to encourage women and non-binary people and marginalized people to ask. You know what I mean? That's why when the interns got hired, I was go- jumping, getting ahead of the gun and being like, hey, by the way, don't be afraid to ask for studio time or practice time or hey, by the way, dance of like, I do look out for Ben, but I also looked out for the things that maybe I waited too long to ask Ben. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Um that's my advice. I mean, that's my advice and my resources like that and get into therapy to help you with this shit straight up, straight up, try to find some therapy because our industry is fucking insane. As my therapist said, so you need support. Okay.
0: Yeah. That's a really good
1: piece of advice.
0: (laughs) Get some professional mental health help. Yeah. Yeah.
1: we, We, I mean, you know, I approached my mental health the same way I approached engineering finally, right? Like I had this aha moment with my when I got diagnosed. of like, okay, like here I am going like, ah, flailing with my mental health and my relationships because no one taught me that I can like learn and study and unlearn things, right? Yes. But as an engineer, I was like, I learned how to learn. Like I learned how to problem solve and how to this and that. And I was like, wait, when I need to figure something out in the studio, I spend hours doing research and shit I need to figure out the fuck's going on in my brain. Yeah. So let me apply that mindset to that. And like that, you know, so it's that same perspective of like, yeah, you need mentors for your profession, but you also need mentors for your life. You mm-hmm. know, I have mentors in different aspects of my life, you know? Yeah. So Yeah.
0: Uh oh, i'm super grateful you, for you
1: yeah, fun. i do love doing these oh good i'm, I'm glad I do have shit to say
0: <laughs> you have so much shit to say you could we could talk for mm-hmm. like hours more i i really really appreciate you i'm just like i just admire the work you do in the world so thank you for doing it
1: thank you so much
0: Thank you so much for joining us for this newest episode of The Process Podcast. We really appreciate you. If you could take one minute to share this episode with a friend or loved one who you think would really enjoy it, that would mean so much to us. It really helps us to get the word out. To check out Jacqueline's work or to hire Jackie for mixing, recording, or speaking and teaching, go to JackieBoom.com. That's J-A-C-K-I-E Boom. Com. If you're interested in listening to bonus episodes of the process and seeing behind the scenes content, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash facciolo. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash S-I-E-N-A F A-C-C-I-O-L-O. I have 18 patrons right now, and I am so grateful to each and every one of them. Here are just some of the things that my patrons have helped me fund in the past year. Editing for all of the episodes that I've released in 2023. Clip-on lapel mics for interviews that might take place in the woods somewhere or in a cemetery like I just did with John Smith. You haven't heard that interview yet, but it'll come out soon. New recording software that's way better than Zoom for recording video for people across the world. The monthly subscription fee for the podcast hosting website I use. And, and this is probably the most important thing, all of the hours of research that I've spent and the time spent actually conducting the episodes. If you haven't checked out the mini-episode that we put out on Sunday, please do that now. It was really fun to make, and we'll be putting those out every month now, so it'll be two episodes a month from now on, everybody. Woo! The Process is presented in partnership with Rochester Groovecast. Produced by Sienna Facciolo edited by Jessica Liu and Sienna Facciolo Our theme music is written and performed by Chris Palace. Sienna Facciolo and Jordan Rabinowitz, featuring Sally Louise on guitar. Mixed by Chris Palace, mastered by Jet Galindo. See you next time, sending hugs.